Hey guys, welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold a spot in Psalm 139. That's going to be our main text. And if you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it. We're going to put those verses that we're going to be reading on the screen. And if you haven't downloaded the notes, those are a huge help because all the verses that we're going to cover are on the downloaded notes. Now we're in part two of a series called Whatever the Weather. And in part one, just to help everyone understand what the theme of this series is, I introduced the concept of, of the fair weather fan. You know who that guy is, right? He's the guy who has all the gear and gets all excited just as long as his team is winning. But then when his team sort of gets on the struggle bus and the weather changes, AKA they start losing, his gear goes back in the drawer and he stops talking about that team because he's a fair weather fan. He only likes his team when they're winning. Now, we talked in part one about how God has fair weather followers. In other words, when everything's going great and when the check is in the mail and when things are calm and comfortable, that man, that follower, He's excited about God, but as soon as the circumstances change, as soon as the weather, right, introduces a few storms of life into this man's existence, all of a sudden he's questioning God, he's doubting God, he's not talking about God, his relationship with God gets pushed off the mark because circumstances start to define his relationship with God and who he is versus what God says is true. You see, now here is where there's a difference between a fair weather follower of Christ and God's man. God's man knows that just because his circumstances have changed does not mean that God's character has changed, that God's presence has changed, that God's promises have changed, or God's attitude toward him has changed. And that is at the center of a lot of spiritual battle. In fact, even as I'm saying that, I know there are thousands of guys out there that are in the middle of this spiritual battle. There's circumstances, and there's the messaging of those circumstances. There's an enemy that is lying to you about what those circumstances mean, and it has the capacity to impact you living out your faith, whatever the weather of your circumstances. Now, the goal, if you're God's man, and we covered this in part one, is we never stop worshiping. We never stop praying and seeking to, to do God's will. We never stop trusting and believing in God, whatever the weather. Why? Again, because God's character, God's presence, God's promises, God's attitudes toward us, doesn't change. He's not absent in our adversities and more present in our prosperities and comfort. His care and capacity is in both places. God never abandons what he creates. There's no circumstance that can cause God somehow to quit on you. He's with us even if we can't feel it or see it at the moment. And what inspires God's man toward that reality, right, is the cross. Everyone watching that was going, how can God 
be involved in that? How can God be loving in that? How can God be caring when this is happening? The torture and crucifixion of the greatest man who ever walked the planet. How can he still be who he is and that is happening? But we all know that right in the midst of the torture and crucifixion of his only son, God was loving us in a way that no person has ever loved us. He was redeeming us. He was saving us. He was forgiving us. And he was beginning a process through that death and eventual resurrection of Jesus, of birthing new life, eternal life, and a new destiny for every one of his followers. So I laid down that foundation in part one. In parts two through four, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the biblical basis for and some themes and some insights from God's word that really bolster, you know, our being followers of Christ, whatever the weather. So if you have your downloaded notes, take those out. We're going to look at our theme verse for the series and remind ourselves once again how God's man is called to live whatever the weather of life. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so you've got three commands. We covered this in part one. I encourage you, if you haven't seen that session, go back and watch it because it really sets up this series well. But here's our theme verse, and we see three commands guess what? That are not contingent with your circumstances. We don't rejoice only when things are going good. We don't pray only when things are going good. And we don't worship or give thanks only when things are going good. No, God's man, day in, day out, rain or shine, we are rejoicing. We are praying and we are giving thanks because that's God's will. And we have perfect clarity regardless of circumstances about how we're supposed to live and what we're supposed to be doing, all right? And those form the basis for what we're going to study. Now, that's what we're supposed to be doing, whatever the weather, life throws our way. Now let's look at kind of a supporting biblical basis for obeying those commands. And we find that supporting biblical basis in Jeremiah 29. It's a powerful concept that will really encourage us and inspire us to pray continually, rejoice always, and give thanks in all circumstances, right? It's a very familiar verse. We're gonna read it and unpack it. It's Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12. It says this, and it's God talking. So God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, all right? So what do we glean from Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12 that's gonna help us never stop worshiping, never stop praying, never stop seeking, never stop trusting and believing in God, whatever the weather. First thing is that God knows what's ahead. God knows what's ahead. We don't know the future, but we rest in the God who does. We do not panic. 
And that's where a lot of our anxiety problems comes from. You know, I do a lot of counseling uh, as a pastor and as a mentor. And whenever anxiety is an issue that's present, usually it involves human beings taking on what their shoulders aren't big enough to carry, a.k.a the future, and I know I'm talking to some of you directly right now. You're taking on something that's way too big for you. It's called the future. The only person who can take on the future is the person who knows the future, and that's God himself. The reason why we get anxious is because the future weighs too much for a finite human being to carry. That's why we have anxiety. We can't control the future. We don't know the future, yet We try to predict it. We try to make things predictable. We try to make moves, right, to secure a safe and comfortable future. And that all creates anxiety. And God says, hey, I got it. I know the plans that I have for you, all right, which then should help you do your job, which is keep worshiping, keep praying, keep seeking me, keep believing, keep trusting me. I have this. Can I just talk to some of you out there right now? You got to let that go. Do your best. I'm not saying don't make efforts, don't plan. I'm just saying don't take it on, right? Because only God is big enough to take on the future. And when you let that go, right, you'll become a, a solid follower of Christ, whatever the weather. The second thing that we see in Jeremiah 29 is that God has my best interest in mind. Not only does God know what's ahead, right? Bonus, God has plans to prosper you. God has plans to give you a future and a hope, right? And so not only does he see ahead and is he planning to head, but he's planning, listen to this, to prosper you. So you may not see or feel that plan now. You may not see or feel prosperous or hopeful now, But God promises that the plan over here is to prosper you and to give you hope. And so we lay hold of that promise. We believe it in the present. We declare it in the present because God says that's true in the future. The third thing that we see is that God asks for my trust without knowing the outcome. You notice he then says, after saying, hey, I know what's ahead, and I have your best interest in mind, by the way, I have good plans. Uh, He then asks for trust. He says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So we call, we come, we pray, we seek, we find. Say that again in the midst of all circumstances, right? Because God knows what's ahead and because he has our best interest in mind, what does God then ask us to do? We call on him. We come to him. We pray to him. We seek him. We find him. In other words, we connect with our father in the midst of our circumstances. And though we can't see what's ahead, his vantage point is different. He knows the plans. He sees what's ahead. He has hold of us. But you know what? Sometimes we can let go like a little one, let go of the Father's hand, and in ignorance run off and suffer the consequences because we can't see what he sees. 
So those are the three things that really give a solid biblical basis. Those are the facts about what is true about God and about you, about your future, and about what God asks for so that we can stay connected in the midst, right? Letting him guide us along kind of like a little one with a father who has a different vantage point and sees what's ahead. But there's an even deeper basis for trusting God, whatever the weather, not stopping to worship, not stopping praying, not stopping believing, that we find in Psalm 139. So yeah, God sees. He's the, he's the God who sees ahead, but that's only meaningful if he sees you. It's one thing when you're walking with a person and they're walking ahead of you and they see ahead, but if you're supposed to be connected to them, it's only meaningful if they're aware of you and they have you in tow, right? So they see ahead, they know what's going on, but it's only meaningful if they are very aware of you. And that's what Psalm 139 is all about. There are some things that God says to us through this Psalm and the man of God connecting with and praying to God that we all need to know as God's men. And this is the first thing that God says coming out of Psalm 139, one through six. He says, I see you like no other. Just let the paint dry on that. Let that, let the words stay up there. God sees you like no other, right? Listen to what David says in Psalm 139, one through six. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain, all right? When David says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me, that's the Hebrew word, the word search, the Hebrew word for that is dig, right? And God knows you, um, not like a careless archeologist that takes a shovel and you know just shoves it into the ground, he's digging into you and, no, if you, if you know archeology, span to know what they're digging for, they, they take, take out that, you know, that little brush, they discover something, and they take away layer after layer after layer after, very carefully, very thoughtfully. That is how God knows you. That's how well. He, he very carefully knows the layers, all the layers, the layers of your thoughts, the layers of your image that go down all the way to the real you that no one sees. He's, he's digging, but he's very gently doing it, and he, he's got you. You are fully transparent to God. Not only does he know you, and not only are your thoughts in your insides and the real you completely transparent to God, but he also knows your 
routines. David says, you know my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. So God knows you from the inside out. There's full transparency. God knows your routines, right? God knows your thoughts. He says, you, you perceive my thoughts from afar. He says, before words on my tongue, Lord, you already know it completely. So just imagine an HD screen and the clarity of that, right? God sees your thoughts like that. Now, that can be terrifying or comforting, but that's how intimately God sees you. That's why we say God sees you like no other. God wants you to know today, I see you like no other. I see your insides like no other. I see your routines like no other. I see your thoughts like no other. I see everything. That's where David says, you hem me in. (laughs) You've got me completely inside and out, behind and before you lay your hand upon me. And look at his response. Instead of being terrified that God sees him like no one else, right? Completely transparent. All his ways, all his routines, all his thoughts. He's not afraid of that. Why? Because he knows who God is. He knows that God loves him. He sees him and he loves him anyway in spite of everything he sees. And when someone knows you that intimately and is seeing you like no other, that means you're important, right? We concentrate on things that are important to us. Can I just tell you, there are some of you right now watching and you're wondering, boy, does God really see me? Does he he know me? Does he know my struggles? Answer is yes, yes, and yes. And you should be comforted by that because not only does he see you, but he accepts and he loves you seeing everything. Now, I know that's hard to believe for some. Like, wow, other people don't know the things that I don't. God knows everything. He's, there's nothing that, that you have in your life that's a shock or a surprise to him. He created you. He doesn't abandon what he creates. He loves what he creates. So God wants us to know, right? that he sees us like no other. And no change of circumstances can affect that. That, whether you're in adversity or you're in prosperity, whether you're in success or whether you're in failure, whether you're at the mountaintop or whether you're in the valley, that does not change. God sees you totally and completely. God loves you totally and completely, and your circumstances can't change that. He sees you like no other. Secondly, as we move down Psalm 139, the man of God realizes God is saying to him, I am near you like no other. Listen to what David says after he acknowledges God's sight and insight into him. He says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will be not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. So what does David know? What is God saying to us? Well, not only does he see you like no other, he is near you like no other, all right? We can hide 
from people physically. We can hide behind things. We can hide emotionally. We can hide behind images and walls. We can limit what we say so that people perceive certain things about us. Guess what? God is in all those spaces that we try to hide behind, right? Whether it's an image, whether it's a space, whether it's a far off, whether we're running from trying to run from him. You know, essentially, God is telling us through David, right? You can't get away from me. And that should be a comfort, right? You know, not a fear to you, right? You shouldn't be afraid of that. In your highs and lows, God's near you, right? In far off places, maybe you feel isolated and lonely. God is near you like no other. He's right there. In your darkest nights, maybe some dark nights of your own creation. Yep, he is near you, right? Some of you are deeply isolated right now. Maybe you're swimming in people, but you're spiritually and emotionally and relationally isolated. And guess what? You're not alone. God's near you. He doesn't abandon what he creates. He loves what he creates. And so we have to stop thinking about God in human terms and let him be God. Not only does he see you like no other, he is near you like no other. Now, can I just say something? The reason why this is spiritual battle is that the devil will take the truth of what we're talking about right now and he'll try to flip it. Oh yeah, God sees you and he's judging you right now, right? Versus seeing you and accepting you, right? The devil will try to, to flip, I am near you to, no he's not, he's far from you. Can't you see by your circumstances that God doesn't care, right? So we have to look at this in uh, as God's man in the context of not only our relationship with God, and the truth about what God says about us, which is true, and we have to look at it in the context of the other messaging that comes this way and, and from out there from the devil. Planting thoughts, circumstances, right, define us. God doesn't define you. And so we have to be aware of that. So I see you like no other, God is saying. I am near you like no other, God's saying. Both of those truths give us a very strong basis for never stopping, never stop worshiping, never stop praying, never stop believing, never stop trusting. Here's the third thing from Psalm 139 that's a great basis for being a Christ follower, whatever the weather. God says, I am involved with you like no other. He sees us, he's near us, he's involved with us like no other. How involved? Listen to this, Psalm 139, 13 to 17. Right? For you created my inmost being. That's as involved as you can be. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. 
Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Wow, what is God saying in terms of his involvement with you? You know, God's been involved since you were a single cell. He's involved with you on a microscopic and embryonic level, right? He saw the development all your days of your personal journey from that single cell to this present moment with you listening to this global live stream, right? And that should comfort the man of God, right? That you're on his mind. Also, nothing that he has seen from single cell to your whole life journey has come to him as a surprise. So when you understand uh, how intimate you know, God is with you, it is a basis for not being a fair-weather follower where our faith is rising and falling based on our circumstances and but being a follower, whatever the weather, because God's nearness, God's insight, God's transparent look into my heart, his involvement with me does not change because my circumstances change. His character doesn't change, his promise doesn't change, his presence doesn't change. His attitude toward you does not change based on circumstances. Now, as we go down Psalm 139, it's really interesting. David, the man of God, is declaring these truths about God, you, man, you really see me like no other. God, you're really near me like no other. God, you're involved with me like no other. And then all of a sudden, there's, there's, there's a response to that. He's like reminding himself of the truth. And we're gonna close out just kind of looking at two responses and two prayers of God's man, right? in response to how intimately God sees him and is near him and involved with him. Response number one from David is fix my circumstances, all right? If, you're, if you see me that well, you know me that well, you're near me that close, and you're involved with me that intimately, then would you please you know, make my circumstances more friendly and less hostile? I mean, can we get an amen out there? I mean, haven't we all prayed that prayer at, at some point? Listen to what David says. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Wow. What a little rant right there, right? There's people who have hurt David and David is essentially just saying, would you do something about them? How many of you feel like that right now? You're being thwarted, you're being opposed. Um, maybe your circumstances are thwarting you and you feel opposed. Your expectations uh, aren't being realized. Your hopes aren't being realized. Your dreams are being delayed. And you know what? Knowing that God sees you, God is near you, God is involved with you, and that his care and capacity is right alongside those three truths. It's like, well, what are you waiting for, right? Why don't you do something, make my external circumstances more friendly and less hostile. Now, there's David's first thought, 
and it's super normal and it's super human. But then that thought gives way to a second, more mature thought, which is expressed in verses 23 and 24. So response number one is fix my circumstances. Response number two is change me. He kind of goes from change my circumstances to wait, hold on, change me. Because he realizes that God could change his circumstances, no problem, but he's choosing not to, which means that maybe there's another process that's going on, a process of personal change where God is using the circumstances to accomplish something that not having those circumstances would never accomplish. And so he, he does this transition and he goes from like, fix my circumstances to change me. Listen to what he says in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. One of the best prayers any man of God can pray right from the scriptures. David says this, search me, God, there's that word again, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is like going through what I would call a God MRI, right? You know how MRIs see what you can't see? They reveal things that are unrevealed externally. And David uses that word, um, search me. There it is again. He started with it. And in Psalm 139, he's ending with it. He's like, dig, God. Dig deep into me. Reveal me to me. You know, you know my heart. Now he's starting to incorporate that intimacy for personal change. Yeah, God, you see me, you're near me, you're involved with me, change me. Man, that's a powerful prayer. The Holy Spirit wants us to pray. I mean, even as I'm saying it right now, God, you see me like no other. You're near me, you're involved with me, change me. Wow, that's powerful, right? He sees him from the, the inside out. So it's really cool that the Bible is so real and so authentic where when we know exactly how near and how transparent and how much insight he has and his care and capacity are right there along with his involvement, you know, our flesh would just go, well, fix it. Fix it out there. But God's more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. Well, you're more interested in your comfort. I'm more interested in my comfort. That's not what God is primarily interested. He's interested in my heart and my character and getting that in order so that my conduct will be like Christ's. And he's using these circumstances, even though he may not have desired those. That's why it says, give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances, all right? And you look at, at this prayer, and it's just so genuine. Now, these are a good basis for trusting God, whatever the weather, right? Um, God knows what's ahead. God has your best um, interest in mind. 
God's calling for trust. All right? It's, it's nice to know that like a father with a little one, he sees what ahead, what's ahead. He has a vantage point. But then it's only meaningful if you know that God is not just aware of what's ahead, but that he's aware of you. And, and what God is wanting us to hear very clearly, and this is a prophetic word for every man listening to this, God's very intimately aware of everything that's happening in your life. Isn't it good to know that someone else is thinking about the things that you're thinking about in your head about your life? God sees all that stuff. God's near and present with all of his care and capacity, his love and his ability, right? And he's involved. So we can now rest and say, all right, now that I know that, yeah, God, you know, I'm not digging this circumstances a whole lot, but, um, and I, I would pray that maybe there would be a change, but not before you change me. So dig into me and know me, test me. I'm going to push all my anxious thoughts into your pile because you know what's ahead and you see everything. And I don't need to take on what doesn't belong to me, the future. That's your deal. It's an amazing, amazing process that David is in. Now, what does David get out of understanding and declaring God's sight and insight into him, his nearness, and his involvement? All right, three things. The man of God, which is us, David, us included. Number one, we can rest in our present. Why? Because he knows our anxious thoughts, right? You're not the only one thinking about what concerns you. That reality gives us rest in the present, comforting. Number two, we have redemption of our past, right? That's another result of knowing these things. Because God sees us clearly and it still accepts us and loves us and forgives us, notice how David says, see if there's any offensive way in me. You know, God knows what he's working with, all right? God, God knows that he's working with a broken human, a flawed human, and he covers those flaws by his grace and he redeems us. So as we never stop worshiping, as we never stop praying, as we never stop believing and seeking his will, God's rest comes into our lives, our redemption, we begin to feel it, even after you've blown it, that, yeah, he knows that we're going to offend him, but we have forgiveness in Christ. So we have rest in the present, redemption from the past. And here's kind of the key theme for today. We have reassurance about our future. Right there in David's prayer, it says, lead me in the everlasting way. God wants to provide the leadership in your life. He can't do that if you're a fair weather follower, meaning when circumstances don't go your way or when you encounter opposition or your expectations aren't met, you just stop praying. You just stop worshiping. You just, you know, it's like, and God's right there. God sees, God's near, God's involved, and you're missing out. 
but your faith is not connecting with what God says is true about himself and his character, presence, promise, and attitude toward you. But David, in Psalm 139, he's aware in the midst of opposition and thwarting and people hurting him, of God seeing him like no other, being near like no other, and being involved like no other. And his prayer is for personal change. And what does he get out of that? He gets rest, redemption, and reassurance regarding his future. And that's what God wants you to have. God wants you to have his rest. God wants you to have the redemption of both the choices that you have made and redemption of the circumstance that you're in right now, right? He can change the circumstance, he can change you, he can change both, right? And then God wants you reassured today that he's leading you in the everlasting way, all right? But you can't be a fair weather follower. You gotta be worshiping. You gotta be praying and trusting. You gotta be seeking his will. You gotta be believing that the God who made you has not abandoned you, even though your circumstances are trying to tell you something different or the devil is trying to tell you something different, right? Don't believe it. It's a lie. So we're gonna practice again in this series a prayer to the God who sees, all right? And I want you to have that image right now of the God who sees ahead, he knows what's next, he has your best interest in mind, and he's calling for your trust. So it's the God who sees ahead, but it's the God who sees you. He sees you like no other, he's near you like no other, he's involved with you like no other. So um, I want you to pray this prayer wherever you are, you might be at home, uh, in your favorite chair, you might be taking a walk, you might be on a jog, right? You might be in your car in a parking lot. You might be on the freeway, keep your hands on the wheel and your eyes facing forward and because God can just hear you pray in your mind. So just let's together as one community of men, let's ask God to do some things, all right? Just say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, please, Dig in to me. And as you search, I'm asking you right now to carry away and carry out the thoughts, carry out the habits and actions that offend you and to repair the wounds only you can heal. Thank you that although you see me fully and know everything about me, you still accept me and love me. Thank you for seeing what I do not see and taking action in my best interest. Fill me with the spirit of trust in you today. I fully surrender now to your vision and actions with me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, I know that, that God has really spoken. Some of you who prayed this prayer are experiencing a release because you're back on track. You're now online with God. You had let your circumstances dictate to you your, your view of God and your experience with God, and God has reset your experience and your view 
you might need to pray that prayer a few times today. Maybe you make it your prayer each week. But what God has spoken, men, is that he sees us, he's near, he's involved. And that gives us that basis right now to be a follower of Christ in the midst of things we don't understand, in the midst of circumstances that are confusing and disillusioning. So don't stop worshiping. Don't stop praying. Don't stop trusting in God's promises. Go get one and stand on it with both spiritual feet, right? And don't stop believing that God's purpose is alive and for you and at work. How do you know? Because of the cross of Jesus. He redeemed that event which no one saw as positive loving us in the midst of it and saving us in the midst of it and redeeming us in the midst of it. And God's doing the same for you. So don't be a fair weather follower this week. And we'll see you next week. God bless.